Hello and welcome to the Brotherhood Without Manners episode 24. I'm your host Ryan McBride and this time around I'm going to be telling you all about the latest in Game of Thrones and all the rest of it. I'm going to be telling you a little bit about a history, uh, stuff that seems like it shouldn't really be real but it actually is. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the latest beverage dedicated to Game of Thrones. I'll be talking about uh, the new well, not the new, a returning cast member is going back definitely to Game of Thrones next year. Um, and, yeah, just other stuff, other stuff, cast news, other, you know, stuff that's been on my mind and uh, just about people talking about Game of Thrones. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll just get cracking with it. Um, I won't waste any more time, especially because my listeners are from 20 countries, according to uh, the statistics and here this at which is the 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 website i use to host the podcast which is nice nice on five continents so it's like united states japan ireland united kingdom france germany spain canada india australia to name but a few even bosnia herzegovina makes a little appearance there so i'm happy with that i don't know what about you if uh, if your country hasn't been named there send an alarmingly angry letter to leandro pondock um, you might have noticed at this point if you're subscribed to the podcast if you're not if you're just finding this podcast welcome but we've got some snazzy new artwork on the podcast so um, if you haven't got it yet you can refresh your feed or or uh, just uh, take a look at our Facebook page all of our platforms you can find them all there you can find us on Instagram Facebook Twitter Tumblr iTunes wherever the hell you feel like finding us you can find us there and see our new artwork give it a like give it a share if you don't like it let us know and i will not change it because i don't rely on anyone else's opinion other than my own oh look at me i'm all strong for once uh anyway anyway um yeah it's, it's strange the thing that that makes game of thrones stand out from any other uh tv show out there is the fact that anything can happen everyone has their own little agendas and everyone's kind of infighting against themselves and everyone's just going after what they want and not what anyone else wants which um i don't know it's kind of it's complex but it also reminds you of like real life when uh especially in times like this of massive political turmoil uh if you look you know what if you look anywhere it doesn't really matter where you are there's us you might be rooting for you might be rooting for people on one side and then next thing you know there's like thousands of people homeless anyway i'm not gonna get up on my soapbox just yet so i'm just gonna talk about irish history and something it's it's one event that that makes me really made me think she's this would this really would have worked in game of thrones um and it's just the story of this guy called hugh o'neill and uh he he was uh like irish royalty you might say yeah um but he was he was part of the o'neill clan which was based is based i guess in the north of ireland in tyrone where what is now tyrone i suppose it would be tyrone at the time as well and uh how he fought against uh you know queen elizabeth the first in the mid 1500s in the 16th century and uh, and why he did it and also some of the things he did which i thought would be like really interesting and if if it was used 
Like it would be, it would be really, it would be really. If you saw it on TV, you'd be like, ah, they wouldn't do that. Come on. So, but anyway, first I'll give you some context about what was happening at the time, and um, just talking about Queen Elizabeth the first, not to be confused with the current Queen Elizabeth. She's not that old, although she nearly is. Queen Elizabeth the first came to the English throne in 1558. Um, yeah, that. A parliament in Dublin, they called it the Irish Parliament, but it wasn't really. It was more of like a certain quadrant of people who gave up their powers to the crown. Passed an act of supremacy uh, that confirmed Elizabeth I as the head of the Irish Church. Now that meant that all the office holders in the church and the state had to swear allegiance to her. But this is a bit of a problem because she was pushing the Protestant church and the Gales, uh, you know, the clan chiefs and the old English, the old English, like the people that came before Elizabeth and the Tudors and all those, they were still loyal to the Royal Catholic, the Roman Catholic church. So this led to lots of friction and um, Elizabeth's father, Henry VIII, did this whole surrender and regrant mechanism so basically what that was it was what it was a mechanism to consolidate english power in ireland by offering titles to the chieftains the irish chieftains in exchange for them surrendering their lands and their titles to him and in return he would give them back their lands and titles except there would be new titles there would be like rather than the o'neill they would be more like the earl of tyrone or the the baron of dungannon just to use examples i'm going to use later in uh, this podcast uh so he would basically give back the lands and stuff and give them like assurances that he would back them up uh if they needed any help defending and uh this is basically just to tidy things up in Ireland, just to make things the same as they are in England, um, was, although some would say that there were more sinister forces at play. But anyway, we'll, we'll take Henry VIII, that great, lovely man, at his um, at his word. But then, uh, eventually, Gaelic titles and Brehan Law, which existed beforehand, became illegal, and the Gaelic people didn't like this. And naturally enough, the last adopters of this whole um, surrender and regrant were in the north part of Ireland, which at the time was the most stringently Gaelic. Um, anyway, anyway, Brehan Law, which which in comparison to the the Tudor system, which it was like the Tudor system that he was considering bring, or that he was talking about bringing in was that you were given a title and lands and your son inherited those title and lands uh, yeah, after you died and blah, and so on and so forth. Whereas Brehenlaw in comparison was a bit more democratic and male clan members could be elected the leader as far as maybe great-grandchild, I think. I'm not quite sure how far out it was. But anyway, there was contention and there was, you know, you were able to... Um, more than one person had a claim to the throne um but and and the english system kind of led to a lot of infighting within the clans which worked out in their system after a while because they're stabbing each other in the back more than usual um so even after 
like eventually the 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 a lot of them accepted this surrender and regards uh, system um but even after they did there was a lack of royal protection from raids from other clans so there really was little benefit and eventually they weren't even allowed to practice their their religion which <laughs> because the crown later wanted to crack down catholicism and because the Irish didn't want to give that up, their status as earls and barons were more and more tenuous because their people weren't you know, following the terms and conditions, even though the British weren't actually giving back what they were supposed to do. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the deal wasn't any good. So in the in-between, uh, between, uh, between Henry VIII and uh, Elizabeth I, um the Gaelic clans in the north took the deal, um, the O'Neills, and one of their sons, uh, Hugh O'Neill, was sent to England to be Elizabeth, her, Elizabeth's prodigy, I guess you could call her. Um, eventually, he got on well. He had an English accent, which is weird when you think of like one of the Irish revolutionaries. He had an English accent. He was eventually made Baron of Dungannon in Tyrone. It's a, it's a town now. But only after his brother was assassinated by his second in command, or Stanishta, Turla Lunya O'Neill. Um, you see, the clans didn't take too kindly to this foreign queen coming over and trying to make them change their way of living, their way of life, the religion. So, if their leader tried to enforce that on them, uh, he wouldn't be in charge of them for very long. Hugh was eventually promoted to the Earl of Tyrone after he helped crush a rebellion by the Desmonds in Cork, which are another Irish uh, family um, on the opposite end of the country. And this is where the real Game of Thrones, stu- Thrones type stuff happens. He was he was allowed to keep 600 men at, at arms at the Queen's expense. So he was allowed to keep like 600 you could call them soldiers. So he regularly changed them around and rotated them. And by doing this, he managed to train up a substantial army fairly quickly and you know that's grand you might think okay well that's fine but he had sympathies towards the england's big catholic enormous rivals the spanish uh who were you know warring with them at the time and when survivors from the spanish armada arrived in ireland he didn't execute them and yeah that was probably one of the big signs. Anyway, yeah. As well as getting all these soldiers, he was he was being sent led to Rufus Newcastle at Dungannon, which he turned into bullets. Elizabeth was unwittingly funding the war effort against her. Like that this is ridiculous. This is like that wouldn't be unusual to see or something like Game of Thrones. But anyway, yeah. Meanwhile, the English, while this was happening, the English were making big strides in Ireland and they conquered and planted. And and Hugh allied with this guy called Red Hugh O'Donnell. It's kind of confusing. He was from this place called Chirconnell, which, which forms most of today's Donegal. And in 1583, he, he meaning Hugh O'Neill, took the now illegal title of the O'Neill and prepared to lead the the chiefs from the north of Ireland from Ulster in defence of their territory and religion against the English. 
war would follow and this you know despite many victories of q even getting the spanish to send an armada to ireland to help fight off the brits he he yeah he he ultimately failed the spanish whenever they arrived landed at the opposite end of the country in cork um and he had to march his troops the length of the country to meet him because tyrone is like right up at the top um so so he and o'donnell eventually left ireland to seek help they they went to the vatican but they were unsuccessful um O'Neill eventually went to Spain to find refuge and what happened next was the Ulster Plantation and I guess you see the, the foundation of you know the, the British identity in many parts of the northeast of Ireland and uh, that's kind of affecting a lot of what's in politics now so it was very significant um, but anyway don't say don't learn anything from me Anyway, we're going to go on to news now, uh, more relevant stuff to today, and more relevant stuff to Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, so, big news, one of the, the fan favourites is coming back to the show, Ghost, there should be more focus on him now from now on, um, the, the VFX supervisor for Game of Thrones, Joe Barrow, was talking to Huffington Post a couple of months ago, I don't know why it's only coming out now, but anyway... Um, he was like oh you'll see him again he has a fair amount of screen time in season 8 and just on why there hasn't been as much direwolf action for the last couple of seasons he said the direwolves are tough because you don't want to get them wrong so we end up always shooting real wolves and doing a scaling trick with them but the real wolves only behave in certain ways and working with real wolves is a bit limited as I can imagine I'd say working with wolves as compared to dogs is just bloody impossible but actually Real wolves. It wasn't the dogs they used earlier on in the seasons, so I don't really know how wolfy they are. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Anyway, he said, to sum up, he said that uh, direwolves aren't as integral as they are in the books, which I guess you could say is true. They like they play a central role in the books, and they've kind of been relegated to a kind of a a minor, minor, minor plot theme, like what do you call it? motif in, in Game of Thrones the TV show but still I'd rather see more dire wolves than less um, even if you know as I suppose they've been contending with dragons for the last while so it's kind of the dragons time to shine maybe who knows hopefully they'll both have time to shine now in the next season uh, another Game of Thrones news flash this week was that Johnny Walker was coming out with a new White Walker whiskey um yeah they didn't give me a free one i was talking to them they sent me out a press release after i asked but they didn't send me out a free one despite my constant pleas for attention but anyway what they said basically they said oh this sounds like a pile of bollocks to me but anyway they says you know this is the blender george harper he said, whiskies from Kleinlish Klein, have endured long Scottish winters, not dissimilar to the long periods endured by the Night's Watch, who have ventured north of the Wall. Um, I mean, they're not dissimilar in that winter is winter. Winter is cold. I seriously doubt that there's been a nine-year winter in Scotland. But um, I guess he's just trying to market this, so... <laughs> Yeah, whatever. It was the perfect place to start when creating this unique whiskey. Now, that's also bollocks because it takes like 20 years to make a whiskey or 10 years. And 
whenever Game of Thrones started, I seriously doubt that was in his mind. I, I don't know. So it's like bad shit. But it still would be a nice present to get something for Christmas. Hint, hint. Um, not that I'm a big whiskey drinker. Now, who knows? Who knows? Maybe I could. Maybe I could get on board with it. Now, if if uh, if anyone wants to get me some, then uh, that would be great. If you don't, then you know that's fine too. Um, just saying, I make this podcast for free for all y'alls. Anyway, Ian Glenn, uh, aka Sir Jora, he floated the possibility of six feature-length episodes, which I think we all knew by now didn't we didn't we know that by now anyway he basically said the final scripts are really special we all sat down for the read through of the six feature length episodes the longer they took to film they took longer sorry rather they took longer to film they cost more and are more surprising they they read like the best six scripts with monumental set pieces now that last part sounds pretty nice monumental set pieces and um yeah, it's kind of it's kind of keeping the hype train rolling. I won't say what publication he told that to, because they're absolute fuckers. Um, they, you, if you're if you're following me on Twitter, you will know that I had a run in with this certain tabloid publication. Um, they managed to sneak spoilers out, or what they deem spoilers out in their headlines, and. They just they just throw them out there. They were like, "Oh, X is going to die in season eight of Game of Thrones." Fact. Now, firstly, if that was a fact, I I like that is not on. Who are you trying to appeal to? I got all my rage out in the thread on Twitter, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it right now. But also, like, they weren't actually spoilers. They were just saying, "Oh." X is going to die according to this fan theory that we saw on Reddit which we won't credit to the people who actually came up with it now like firstly like a fact is a fact and report it that way but don't be like oh this person thinks this this random person on the internet with absolutely no authority on the topic thinks this is going to happen so we're just going to report it as fact put it in the headline and then not reveal it as a theory until like fucking halfway down the line oh good good stuff good stuff good journalism there lads anyway anyway don't visit you know know, just don't look at tabloids newspapers because it's kind of shit um now my next article is from the lad bible so (laughs) after all my complaining i just the next story up is from the lad bible um yeah, apparently that the Game of Thrones sets are going to be left up so you can visit Westeros yourself after even after Game of Thrones finish. And they're going to call it the Game of Thrones Legacy Tour. And it's going to be in Northern Ireland. And it's going to include sets from Castle Black, Winterfell and King's Landing and um I think it's going to you're going to, you're going to be allowed into Linen Mill Studios where there will be more attractions. Now that's a bit vague, but more attractions sounds better than attractions. Apparently, um, uh, more news. Um, this is more a charity sort of a thing, but you could win. You could end up going to the season eight premiere of Game of Thrones with uh, Jamie Lannister, aka Nikolai Costawaldo. Um, yeah, it's ten euro an entry, and the proceeds to go to Movember, and it's being run by Omaze and L'Oreal. 
there's a video up online i'll leave it in the show notes uh which is a new thing i'm gonna do i'm gonna leave show notes up and i'm gonna be like all those fancy podcasts to uh attribute that's crazy isn't it attributing yeah anyway i'm not gonna do okay next section i'm not gonna do real news as fake news this time because um yeah if you if you want me to do the west if you replace the world news today in westeros fashion then i'll throw that back in but at the moment i'll, I'll leave it i'll leave it right now because you know the world's too crazy and i just don't know what's going on um but anyway speaking of fake news there is this instagram account floating around pumping out fake news stories that are really deceptive because they're kind of taking a news story related to game of thrones and twisting it so what they're saying is fake but it's related to what's actually happening so like there's like there's this thing they had up it's called the westeros journal you find it on instagram the first story they had up story is basically a picture and it looks kind of gen- it looks genuine as well it's like it's like proper graphics and like it looks genuine enough to me on first glance and it says justin bieber cameo game of thrones season eight the westeros journal and then the the actual thing written on it says when reporters caught up with the 24 year old canadian singer and asked him what he thought of the show justin bieber replied i've actually never watched game of thrones but i got to hold a sword so that was dope haha now uh, not that i have low opinion of justin bieber but i can totally imagine him saying that and like nor does it say oh by the way hashtag satire or not that you would have to but like it's not fake enough to be like satirical no anyway and then other stories that they put up since have been a bit you know faker like there's one up here that says Beyonce and Maisie Williams Twitter feud and I was like I have no reason to not believe that (laughs) but also yeah like yeah I uh, I guess maybe it's maybe I guess maybe I'm just gullible. Actually, that's probably the most likely option here. Do you think I'm gullible? Then just shut your mouth and don't tell me. Um, uh, more well, cast news. Anyway, yeah, on that Justin Bieber thing. Uh, the basic gist of that whole thing was that Sophie Turner name dropped Justin Bieber's name so that people would launch clickbait articles. Uh, so people will talk about Game of Thrones and uh, fuck's sake if Justin Bieber is in Game of Thrones and another obvious cameo I would lose faith in the story a very lot a very lot a very very lot <laughs> um, speaking of which Ed Sheeran came out not so long ago uh, he said he thinks his character from Game of Thrones should have died well guess what Ed so do we all you absolute n- numpty uh, anyway that's it uh, I'll have links to all these articles uh, in the show notes um, you can keep up to date with everything we're doing on Instagram Facebook Twitter all the rest of it I've, I've gotten really into Simpsons memes related to Game of Thrones uh, that's that's something that's happening too um, if you want to check them out just you know give them a like or comment and let me know what you think if you want to ask a question about brotherhood that matters or game of thrones or anything related to that or anything i said about hugh O'Neill or flight of the earls or anything like that just just send an 
send it to us at bannersmanners at gmail.com or anything else uh, any other other platforms we're on uh, you can set us a sound file as well and we'll play it out next episode no bother anyway if you want to if you want to help support the podcast maybe give us a nice juicy five star review on iTunes uh, maybe leave a little a little rating five star rating and a little written review as well make me happy help the help motivate me to put more more frequent podcasts I don't know you you do what your heart tells you and uh yeah keep an eye on the page because there's going to be some interesting stuff coming up in the next while and i think you should all look at it (sighs) anyway winter's coming oh jesus christ i'm cutting that out